Chapter 1. Why Jesus Christ Came Into the World This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Our first subject is one that has engaged the thoughtful and earnest attention not only of theologians, but also of sociologists, historians, political philosophers, and reformers for years. Some tell us, Christ Jesus came into the world to proclaim the great truths of the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Others say, Christ Jesus came into the world to complete God's original thought in the creation of man. Still others tell us, He came into the world to reorganize society on new lines, to establish a new form of human society, the kingdom of God on earth. Not a few tell us, Jesus Christ came into the world simply to proclaim new ethical principles by which men were to mold their lives. But there is no need for us to speculate, guess, or argue as to why Jesus Christ came into the world, for God Himself has seen fit to tell us in the most plain and explicit words just why He did. You will find God's own statement in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, authorized King James Version. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. No one can mistake the meaning of those words. Listen again. When we stop to reflect upon the exact meaning and full force of this statement, it will seem incredible. These words unmistakably declare that it was an interest in sinners, in the vile outcasts, in rebels against God, in blasphemers, persecutors, perjurers, thieves, robbers, harlots, thugs, bandits, and murderers that induced the glorious Son of God to leave heaven's joys and glories and come down into this world. And these words furthermore tell us that Christ Jesus came into the world not to punish sinners as the holy executioner of God's wrath against sin, nor to study them as a great philosopher. No, He came to save them. Does it look credible that the Son of God should step down from the throne of His glory, lay that infinite glory aside, consent to enter this world through the lowly door of Bethlehem's manger, and leave it through the shameful and dreadful door of Calvary's cross to save sinners? No wonder Paul felt it necessary to preface this astounding statement with these words. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. Paul knew that philosophers and thinking men generally would not be ready to accept this statement of the purpose of the coming of that infinitely glorious person, Jesus Christ, into this world. Therefore, he called their attention to the fact that as incredible as this statement appears to be, it was God's own word and therefore worthy of man's unquestioning, absolute confidence and all acceptance. Yes, this is why Christ Jesus came into the world. This is the great central purpose of His coming, to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. On whose behalf was it that Christ Jesus came into the world? Notice on whose behalf it was that Christ Jesus came. On behalf of sinners. Sinners is not a nice word, and the reason for it is even worse than the word. Sin is the foulest, most hateful, most hideous, most loathsome thing in all the universe. Disease, leprosy, death, corruption, rottenness, 
filthiness, and all other repulsive and disgusting things are all merely inadequate types of sin and its hideousness and repulsiveness. The sinner is the personal embodiment of all this foulness, vileness, and repulsiveness. And yet Jesus Christ, the Holy Son of God, came into the world on behalf of sinners. Men and women who were sinners, and who were conscious of the fact, seemed to be the only people in whom Christ Jesus took any interest when He was here on earth. He received sinners. He called sinners. He ate with publicans and sinners. He announced as His program, I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. And again, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. A very prominent, eminently respectable, and profoundly pious leader among the Jews came in a very deferential way to Christ Jesus one night to ask him a few important questions. And Jesus practically slammed the door in his face by saying, Ye must be born again. John chapter 3, verse 7. He would not even reason with him, but kept saying, Ye must be born again. In the very next chapter, a loose, abandoned woman wandered his way, and he told her all about the water, which, if a man drinks, he will never thirst. He told her about the true way to worship and about his own messianic office. In Luke chapter 18, a most attractive young man came to Jesus Christ. This young man had led an exemplary life, a life of morality and piety and generosity and culture. But Christ sent him away sorrowful with an uncompromising demand that he sell all his honestly gotten possessions and give the proceeds to the poor. And in the next chapter, Jesus told a notorious money-grasping old sinner named Zacchaeus that he wanted to visit his house. In the seventh chapter of Luke, Jesus Christ rebukes a very respectable, highly esteemed, and hospitable gentleman named Simon, and almost in the same breath tenderly says to a formerly disreputable woman of the town, Thy sins are forgiven. Go in peace. His interest was with sinners. All his tenderness was for repentant sinners. His infinitely gracious invitations were for sinners. Oh, how wondrously kind and gentle he was to repentant sinners! But how merciless he was to moralists, to all who boasted of their own goodness, their religion, and their righteousness! He stripped off the veneer of decency that covered the real rottenness within, and called them whited sepulchres and graves which appear not, enclosures of rottenness, corruption, and dead men's bones, a generation of vipers. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Do you want Jesus to take an interest in you and save you? Then you must take your place before Him as a sinner, a commonplace, unadorned, unvarnished, inexcusable, self-confessed sinner. Not a respectable sinner. No, not a sophisticated sinner or a cultivated sinner. No, not an attractive sinner or an amiable sinner. No, just a plain, unadorned sinner. A poor, miserable, vile, guilty, worthless, hell-deserving sinner. Did you know that more people are shut out of Jesus Christ's saving grace, pardon, heaven, and eternal life because they won't come to Jesus Christ as sinners? Plain, ugly, wretched sinners.
Far more people are shut out of heaven by the pride that keeps them from crying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, than are shut out by the enormity of their sins or by the stubbornness of their infidelity. It is as true today as it was when Jesus Christ first said it to the moralist of his own day. Scripture The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Matthew chapter 21, verse 31. One night, at a late meeting in Chicago, as I passed through the innermost inquiry room, a lady of substantial culture sat among the inquirers. This woman held two or three university degrees. She was a professional and one of the most highly cultured women who attended our church. As I passed by, she said, Mr. Tory, will you speak with me? I replied, If you will wait a few moments until I speak to these poor creatures over yonder, as I looked toward some poor outcasts grouped together in a corner of the room, I will come back and speak with you. These poor outcasts knew that they were sinners, and they accepted Jesus Christ. Then I came back to the lady, drew up a chair, sat down in front of her, and asked, What can I do for you? She replied, Mr. Tory, I have not had a satisfactory Christian experience. I replied, I do not think you have had any Christian experience at all. Why? She replied, I am a church member. I answered, Unfortunately, that does not prove anything. I am sorry to say that I have known many church members whom I could not believe were really saved. But, she said, I am a Sunday school teacher. I said, Unfortunately, that does not prove anything. I am sorry to say I have known not a few Sunday school teachers of whose salvation I was not at all sure. But, she replied, I am the widow of a minister. Well, I said, Unfortunately, even that fact does not prove anything. I do not read anywhere in the Bible that anyone is saved by marrying a pastor. Now, I do not believe that you ever in all your life came to God as a poor, vile, worthless, miserable, hell-deserving sinner, not essentially better than those poor creatures over in the corner. She immediately straightened up and her eyes flashed as she replied, No, I never did, for I am not. I looked at her and quietly said, You are about as full of spiritual conceit as anyone I ever met. She gasped out, Mr. Tory, you are cruel. No, I replied, I am kind. It is not cruel, but it is kind to tell people the truth. Now you are a physician, are you not? She said, Yes, I am. I said, Suppose you had a patient who had a great big tumor, and you took a sharp knife and cut it out. Would that be cruel? No, she answered. That would be the kindest thing I could do. Well, I said, you have a great big tumor of spiritual pride, and by the grace of God, I will cut it out tonight. The woman had sense even if she was proud. She immediately dropped on her knees and came to God as a poor, vile, worthless, miserable, hell-deserving sinner, and she got a satisfactory Christian experience. But there are some of you who have never done it, and some of you who are determined that you never will do it. Well, you will, or you will spend eternity in hell. Come, my good-natured, upright, polished, perfect gentleman. You must come and take your place as a sinner if Jesus Christ is to take any interest in you and save you. Come, my fine lady, with your fair and attractive life, beautiful character, 
generous culture, winsome personality, and honored place in society. You too must come to your right place before God as a sinner if Jesus Christ is to save you. Yes, you must get down right alongside your sisters from the slums. For Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and He saves nobody else. Are you one? Are you a real, genuine sinner? If not, Christ did not come for you. We have thousands in our churches today who have never taken their places as lost sinners before Jesus Christ, and of course, they have never been saved. When I was pastor at Moody Church in Chicago, these words were engraved in the stone over the door. Welcome to this house of God, our strangers and the poor. I fear that motto kept a good many people away from that church. They preferred to go where the rich and cultured were especially welcome. But suppose that motto had read, This church is for sinners. Would you like to have gone to that church? But if this church in which we meet tonight is to be a true church of Jesus Christ, it is for sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But while this great and wonderful text takes away all hope from the mere moralist, it says to every man and woman who is unwilling to come before Christ as a sinner, Christ Jesus is not for you. The gospel is not for you. The Bible is not for you. Heaven is not for you. On the other hand, consider how wide this text throws open the door for all who are sinners and who know it. Yes, even for the vilest. Listen again. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How many a man and woman there is today who says, Christ Jesus is not for me, salvation is not for me, eternal life is not for me, the inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away is not for me. Why not? Oh, I am so great a sinner, one might say. Listen, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Do you hear that? On behalf of sinners, Jesus Christ came into this world. Because you are just what you are, a sinner, a grievous, low-down, miserable, hopeless, helpless, hell-deserving sinner, Christ Jesus came for you. He makes heaven possible for you, salvation possible for you, and eternal life possible for you. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. As I speak, I think of a long, long line of men and women whom I have met in different parts of the world who seemed utterly beyond hope. They consider themselves beyond hope because they had gone so deep into sin and remained so long in sin, but they were led by the power of this text to put their trust in the Savior who came into the world to save sinners. Yes, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and He does it, and He can do it for anyone who comes as a lost sinner, but He cannot do it for anyone else. What was the purpose of Christ Jesus concerning sinners? We see then that it was on behalf of sinners that Jesus Christ came into the world, but what was His purpose concerning sinners? To save them. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. As already suggested, 
he did not come into the world to punish sinners. Neither did he come to condemn sinners. He did not come to upbraid sinners. He did sometimes upbraid certain classes of sinners, but that was not what he came for. That was merely an incident. He did not come to reform sinners. That is a hopeless and worthless task. It is like painting the cheeks of a corpse. It will not keep the corpse from rotting. Jesus did not come to help sinners do better. Ah, friends, a sinner's case is so desperate that he needs something more than help. He needs something that goes far deeper than help. Jesus came to save sinners, to radically, thoroughly, and eternally save sinners. He came to save them freely, fully, and forever. He came to save sinners from the guilt of their sins. There is a holy God, an infinitely holy God, and when a man sins once, he is a guilty sinner before that holy God. His sins avert the face of that holy being from him. His sin separates him from that holy God. The wrath of that holy God is kindled against him, even though that God loves him. Christ Jesus came into the world to save us from our guilt, to save us from the wrath of God, and to give our guilty consciences peace. How did Jesus save sinners from their guilt? Listen to God's own answer to that question. Scripture Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. He saved us from the guilt of sin by taking our guilt upon Himself, by bearing our penalty in His own body on the cross of Calvary. The curse was your due and mine, but Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, took that curse upon Himself. Listen again. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and Jehovah hath made to strike on him, that is, on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6, literally translated. By his atoning death, Jesus Christ put away the sin that stood between you and God. By his atoning death, by the shedding of his blood, God's wrath at my sin and at your sin was settled, and settled forever. By his death, my guilty conscience finds peace. Let me say that this is not a mere matter of theological opinion with me, but a matter of glad and certain experiential knowledge. Christ Jesus saves from the guilt and penalty of sin. I know that. I do not merely think so or hope so. I know it. I know that Christ Jesus hath power on earth to forgive sins, Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, because he has forgiven my sins, and they were very many. They were very great, and I know that through his atoning death, which I have accepted as the whole ground and the sole ground of my salvation, every sin of mine has been blotted out forever. I know that there is not a cloud between me and the infinitely holy God in whose presence the very seraphim veil their faces and their feet. But Christ Jesus came not merely to save the sinner from the guilt of his sins and from the penalty of his sins, but to save him also from the power of sin. Jesus Christ does save from sin's guilt and from sin's punishment. 
he does save from a guilty conscience and from hell. But thank God that is not all. He saves from sin's power. Our Lord's own words bring this out with great clearness and force. He says in John chapter 8, verse 34, American Standard Version, Everyone that committeth sin is the bondservant, slave of sin. We all know this is true. How many of us know from bitterest experience the slavery of sin, the slavery of drunkenness, the slavery of lust, the slavery of the greed for gold, the slavery of a bad temper, the slavery of an unruly tongue, the slavery of a mean disposition, or the slavery of unclean thoughts? Yes, we have all known something about the bondage of sin, but listen to what Jesus Christ says two verses later. Scripture If therefore the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. John chapter 8, verse 36. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior who died on Calvary's cross to make pardon possible, rose from the dead and is a living Savior today. He has all power in heaven and in earth. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, and is therefore able to save to the uttermost, not merely from the uttermost, but also to the uttermost, all those who come to God through Him. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. He saves us from all the slavery of sin. He saves us from sin's power as well as from sin's guilt. That is what He came to do. That is what He does do. Paul, who wrote the words of my text, knew from personal experience the power of Christ Jesus to save not merely from the guilt of sin, but to save from the power of sin as well. Paul had known the bondage of sin, the awful, grinding slavery of sin. He gives us a page from his autobiography in chapter 7 of Romans. He tells us of how he had found the law of God and how earnestly he had tried to keep it, but how utterly he had failed. He had tried to break away from sin. The struggle as described in Romans chapter 7 was a hard one, a determined one, but it resulted in utter failure. Paul tells us that the more he tried to break away from sin, the more helpless he found himself, until at last, in utter despair, he cried, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans chapter 7 verse 24 he felt like one chained forever to the dead, stinking body of sin. But when he cried, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He got his answer at once. You will find the answer in the next verse. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 7 verse 25 Christ Jesus came into the world on behalf of sinners. He came to save sinners. He came to save them from the guilt the penalty, and the power of sin. He does save whoever comes to Him and puts His trust in Him from the guilt, penalty, and power of sin. He will save any sinner who will believe on Him, who will just put their case in His hands. He will save them right now. He will not save anyone who will not come to Him as a sinner, but He will save at once, freely and fully and forever, every man woman, and child who will come to Him and confess that they are sinners and put their trust in Him as their Savior from the guilt and power of sin. He will save them freely, fully, and forever. Will you let Him save you?
If any man, woman, or child goes out of here tonight unsaved, you will have no one to blame but yourself. Scripture This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let him save you right now.